Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Who's got those dancing shoes on? I do every year this time of year. It's like an extended holiday, a little Christmas for three weeks for me, really four weeks. It starts in the conference tournament. LSU finally dancing again. Three seed out in the East. Very intriguing bracket reveal yesterday. A lot to go over, and we're going to do it for the next hour and a half or so. Scott Alexander is going to join us for the full hour at 9 o'clock as we break down the bracket. We'll talk LSU. We'll make our picks. We'll have upset specials. What regions to watch. But right now, I want to get a more educated national look at the bracket in the NCAA tournament with Patrick Stevens, who covers college hoops for the Washington Post and The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at D1SCourse. And Patrick, what's going on, man? I know you got to be pumped up just like I am here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a long handful of days here, so uh, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping to catch up on sleep some point in the next couple of days to be ready to go by Thursday morning. That's it, that's it. You got to rest up now. That's a veteran move. Rest now. Uh, maybe catch some games up uh, in Dayton the first four, and then yeah, you're ready to go for Thursday. Uh, what what are some of the biggest takeaways from that bracket reveal yesterday, Patrick? Well, I think one of the things that stands out is that after a few years, really four years, of the committee basically rewarding just pure quantity of high-end victories, whether you call it top 50 wins or quadrant one wins or whatever, that a little more, uh, I don't want to say fairness, but, but a little more equitability is thrown in there a bit, and the losses kind of count against people too. Like I, I personally thought Indiana was going to be in the field based on some of those high-end wins. And the fact that we really hadn't hurt teams in the past uh, few years, uh, if they happen to be like six and twelve uh, in those high-end games, as opposed to like six and six or six and seven, so that kind of explains why why Indiana is not in the tournament and why a Belmont, which didn't have as many shots at decent victories, but did pick up a few along the way, is sitting there uh, in a play-in game. So to me, that's maybe the the one really striking thing. The other if I had to pick out anything, is that conference tournament performance really didn't seem to, to move the needle much for anybody. And that goes for Michigan State staying on the two-line, uh, Cincinnati being on the seven, winning their tournament, uh, Auburn got up to a five, Seton Hall sitting there at a ten, and it worked the other way too. LSU lost its first game, Maryland lost its first game, Purdue lost its first game, and then we could go down the list some more, Texas Tech, it didn't seem to impact those teams at all either. You know, it's interesting we talk about that conference tournament issue, and everybody's talking about that today, and I agree. This is certainly breaking precedent to how they valued conference tournaments in the past. Uh, for a college basketball junkie like I am, though, I'm just wondering, this might be a good thing because one of the knocks on college basketball has been that the regular season doesn't really matter. I mean, you can win your regular season conference tournament. You can pile up big wins in the regular season. And, well, if you don't win that conference tournament, it doesn't really matter all that much. Is this maybe a good thing for the totality of college basketball that they're valuing regular season play more than just a, you know, a couple of days in one week in March? Yeah, I, I, certainly to some extent. I would say this, that 
you're, you're playing schedules of, what, 30, 31, 32, 34 games, something like that in the regular season. And if you make a run in your conference tournament, you're probably winning three or four. So there should be some benefit for that 10% of your season. It counts for something. Um, like Iowa State's a team I didn't mention earlier. You would think that having beaten Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas, that might have benefited them a little bit more than it did. So I think for somebody that does well in that conference tournament, it should probably be a little bit of a bump. If it's you come in like an LSU and lose to a pretty good Florida team that, that, that scores very well in a bunch of metrics, even if they're not necessarily the most fun team to watch, maybe that shouldn't hurt you as much. Uh, maybe you get passed by somebody that does something to elevate themselves. So I, I tend, I've always tended to view those conference tournaments for the teams that are safely in the field as a chance to improve their lot in life. But since most everybody loses at least once, they're probably not going to get hurt all that much. It's also an opportunity for those teams at the edge of the field to distinguish themselves. And, and here's another team, Temple, which lost to Wichita State in the quarterfinals of their conference tournament. That game didn't seem to hurt them any either, and they still got into the field. It's great stuff here from Patrick Stevens, who covers college hoops for the Washington Post and The Athletic. Let's go to the East region because that's where LSU is playing here. What do you think about their draw, uh, Patrick? I do see Michigan State standing in the way, and I feel like that's LSU's kryptonite with the guard play that they have up there. Yeah, as well. honestly, that, that the, even the Jacksonville pod, if you sat here right now and told me that any of those five teams was making it out of there, I could believe it. Uh, and I wouldn't have said that necessarily a couple of weeks ago before LSU has had all of its off-court stuff. Uh, but Yale's pretty good. Maryland has, has played well away from home against a lot of teams this year. Belmont's kind of a – Belmont and Temple are both teams that are probably going to be looking to prove something after slipping into the field. But I agree. That, that, that bottom half of the draw, I, I think the, the Des Moines group, it's pretty clear-cut that it would be a surprise if anybody other than Michigan State uh, was able to get through out of there. Bradley was, I think, the five seed in the Missouri Valley. Louisville did not fare well against a backloaded ACC schedule. Uh, and Minnesota is a team that has had a couple good moments of late, uh, especially when they played Purdue. Uh, but for the most part, has been a team that's just kind of hung around right around that 10-11 line uh, really for the last month and a half. So I do like Michigan State to make it to the Sweet 16, and that would be a tough opponent. Uh, for LSU, if they were happen, to, if they happen to get to DC, is there anybody in this East region that that could scare Duke at all? I think Michigan State absolutely could, um, and the history that Tom Izzo has on the second day of the site at the NCAA tournament is pretty tremendous. Uh, I think ultimately, people will have to figure out that the one vulnerability that Duke has is its outside shooting. Now they played at Virginia and they and they shot the lights out. And that was one of those games where you're like, okay, if they play like this, nobody's going to beat them. But over the course of the season, that has been a vulnerability. And it would seem to me that the best way to try to neutralize Zion Williamson as best as you can is to, to pack it in and just dare them to shoot jump shots. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if you saw somebody do that even before an Elite Eight game, whether it's uh, a Mississippi State or a Virginia Tech or somebody like that in the Sweet 16 and I would point out that whoever they deal with in the second round, whether it's VCU or Central Florida, you're talking about a really good defensive team. So I can see Duke getting itself into something of a slog even as early 
uh, as the as the opening weekend. Let's touch on other few things uh, here in the bracket. Uh, the West region seems like I don't know World Cup term here. Uh, the the bracket of death. I mean, this is an unbelievable amount of of team talent in this region. And I'm originally from Spokane, uh, Patrick. I love the Zags, born and raised a Zags fan. But I don't know if I can take the Zags in this bracket. I, I think I'd have Michigan coming out of here because here's Gonzaga's path. Everybody who's listening, uh, yeah, first round game they're playing a 16 seed should get by that. But then they might have to play Syracuse. Marquette and then Michigan on their way to a final four. I mean, that's murderers real, man. It is tough. And yet I could see a scenario where they don't have to deal with any of those teams. You know, if Baylor comes out and makes some shots, okay, out goes Syracuse Marquette. They got to deal with Murray state in the first round would probably have to deal with Florida state. I mean, there's a fair bit of balance in this bracket. You look back, you mentioned Michigan, you know, what version of Nevada do they get? Do they get the version of Nevada that wants to play for most of a game or, or the version of Nevada that just kind of has it in cruise control for 15 minutes and you're looking up and saying, all right, guys, when are you going to start playing? And then you look in that Sweet 16, you know, Michigan-Texas Tech is the sort of defensive matchup, uh, number one versus number two in, in defensive efficiency. Uh, that might be a first to 50 wins and an entertaining first to 50 wins type of game. So, you know, there are there are a lot of speed bumps for a lot of different teams in that bracket. I agree. And, you know, like you say, there's there's, you know, Murray State's there, Vermont, which has been a great program in the America East and is playing fairly close to home uh, in New England, a Florida team that defends uh, an Arizona State team. that's kind of a weird variable, a St. John's team that I mean, I can tell you right now. If they lost by 30 in the first four or if they made the Elite Eight, I'm not sure either one of those things would be a surprise either, uh, just given what a weird team that is. It's it's kind of a weird season, and St. John's might be the weirdest team of, of them all out there. Can you convince me to get on the Virginia bandwagon again? Because I've been on this bandwagon before, including last year, Patrick. <laughs> Can you convince me to get on this bandwagon again? Well, what I will say is what I've said to other people. If you keep knocking on the door, eventually it's going to open. Uh, I do think that that top half of the South bracket is reasonably favorable for Virginia, which doesn't have that injury like they did last year with DeAndre Hunter. You look at that, you know, maybe a possible matchup with Wisconsin and just a complete slugfest uh, would be a thing to trip them up. I think Kansas State, the four seed there, is vulnerable if Dean Wade isn't at 100%. It sounds as if he will not be. And I think UC Irvine with 30 wins, out of the Big West is a team that could very easily uh, trip up a team coming west to play them in San Jose. So that's the half, top half of that draw. And then you look at the bottom half of the draw, and you've got Purdue, which is basically one bad shooting day from Carson Edwards away from getting upset by just about anybody. You've got a Villanova team that has a great pedigree, but at the same time isn't as good as it's been the last few years. You have Cincinnati and Iowa and you've got Tennessee down there, which is a really solid team, uh, but also not a team that has extensive uh, NCAA tournament success in recent years going for it. So I I think it's a relatively favorable bracket for the Cavaliers, even if they didn't get what they really wanted, which was to be able uh, to play a regional in D.C. Of course, if you're Virginia, you just have to worry about winning the first game uh, as opposed to worrying about where, where where the third and the fourth games are going to be played. I know we didn't touch on the Midwest, but running out of time, and we know the first uh, weekend is all about the Cinderellas, the teams that could. So could you tell me a few teams you got your eye on? I know I have my eye on Murray State and John Morant, but uh, what about you, Chris? 
Uh, Patrick I mentioned UC, UC Irvine earlier as a team. You know, I, I mentioned Yale as a possibility that could, that could be a scare. One, one team out of the Midwest that, that bears mentioning, New Mexico State is in the tournament for the eighth time in ten years. They haven't won a tournament game in any of those years, but they've once again controlled the whack. Is Auburn in a situation where they emptied the gas tank winning four games in four days? It's possible, especially as they have to go west as well. So maybe that's a 12-5 type of upset that you could say. That's fantastic stuff. Patrick, uh, loads of info there. Really appreciate it, man. Enjoy the heck out of this week, all right? Uh, All right. Take care. All right. Patrick Stevens of the Washington Post and The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at D1S Course. And, yes, the NCAA tournament is here. We'll take a break. Back with your texts and calls, and then we'll transition to our full hour of NCAA Tournament Preview here on The Last Lap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.